Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where getting a referral from us is like getting backstage passes from the band itself. But, you know, no autographs, please. We're all professionals here. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you absolutely love. Imagine you're at a big party and somebody says, hey, you want to meet Bruce Springsteen, like the Bruce Springsteen, the boss. Now, you know, this isn't just like a casual intro. They've already told the boss all about your guitar skills and shared your love for classic rock. And you shake hands and, and he says, hey, I heard you can strum Thunder Road like nobody's business. And instantly you're not just meeting a hero. You're making a connection. Now let's switch gears to the business world. Think about warm introductions. It's the, the Bruce Springsteen meet and greets of the corporate sphere. And it's not just like, you know, tossing a business card across a conference table or, you know, sending a template LinkedIn message, not using a bot, right? It's about having someone lay the groundwork, set the stage and essentially say, this person is worth your time. You know, it's about like telling the boss, hey, this guy loves guitar and can play this and, and, you know, big fan, you guys have a lot in common here. So it's really laying that groundwork. And this person is somebody you need to know. Some business relationships do seem to come from random chance. You hear the stories, you know, we were roommates in college or we were coworkers together at this other place. But far more often, the ones that endure, the ones that, that you hear about that, that go, I mean, a million miles, not just a few, were because somebody took the time and valued two people enough to say, hey, you two need to get to know each other. And I love making those kind of connections. I love it when other people make those kind of connections for me. And sometimes it turns into something far more than just an introduction. Sometimes it doesn't. There's a story in my book, Small Fish, Big Pond, about how a simple airplane flight turned into a dream job and a 26-year career at Gibson Guitars, often an introduction just like that. So think about those introductions and when that's made a difference for you, when somebody's introduced you, or maybe when you've been introduced to somebody else. And, and then, you know, lightning strikes and, and magic happens. So contrast that with kind of the old school cold calling or, you know, sitting at a conference table and exchanging business cards and, and, you know, you, you, you've met somebody, but there's no, there's no relationship. There's no real connection there. But think about cold calling in that same way. You know, it's the equivalent of, you know, crashing a VIP party uninvited. You know, the, the drunk, uncle, cousin at a wedding. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, you might get a few polite nods and even a stray conversation, but you crash a party like that and odds are you're going to be kind of sipping your cocktail alone at the bar. And most of the time you're just like background noise, like that one hit wonder, you know, everyone forgot the lyrics. It happens all the time. It's like, I know this song, but I have no idea who did it. And that's not the kind of impression that we want to make. On, on prospects or other people in the business community. 
So how do we make every intro feel like you're meeting Springsteen backstage? How do we ensure we're not that awkward plus one at the industry gala? And today's guest and I will explore this in context of lead generation. And it's way different than anything that I've seen, way different than anything that I've thought existed. And I'm, I'm really blown away that it does exist. And we'll dive into the strategies that have CEOs and investors singing along with you and not just, you know, nodding politely while they Google, like, who the heck is this guy under the table? So let's make sure that your brand doesn't just enter the room, but gets a standing ovation. Sound good? Ready to scale your business from garage band level to world tour status? Well, check out today's sponsor, Champion Leadership Group. It's the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives like you to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and never walk alone on the journey. Supercharge revenue by leveraging time-tested SaaS growth principles, toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries, celebrate wins together, and rally to help lift up others who are maybe a little bit beat down by the grind of the tour schedule. Make them feel like the SaaS rock stars they are, and they do that for you too. Confidently take your right next step that turns into a quantum leap of profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. Learn more at championleadership.com. Our expert guest last week was Dan Radu, president of Macro, a team of experts helping grow companies with both digital marketing strategies and execution of marketing campaigns at scale. Dan and his team are the group that leaders call when they want to make better data-driven decisions or maybe need help scaling their global marketing operations. He brought a great insight specifically into channel marketing. So that's of interest. Check out that episode. Our founder last Tuesday was Bish Smear, founder and CEO of Fintech SaaS, Enigmatic Smile. Bish shared his experience building two sides of a network. We have providers and consumers and provided great insights into the motivators, customer loyalty, and how to create raving fans. It's one of my all-time favorite guests. He is so likable and just incredibly smart and humble at the same time. Great, great episode. If you missed either one of those, go back and check them out for sure. My guest this week is David Rush, founder and CEO of Small World. Small World is reducing the cost of customer acquisition through the power of relationships, connections. The Small World Relationship Activation Platform helps sales and marketing teams secure warm introductions, check this out, at scale. Welcome a guy with the keys to backstage access everywhere, David Rush. Hey, David, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, tell the audience a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you to today. Yeah. So, I mean, my background is in commercial leadership roles at early stage technology companies. Um, I'd been a founder once before. Um, and then most recently, before starting Small World, I was chief revenue officer, um, leading a, a large team of sales, uh, uh, commercial reps. Um, and so one of the things that I observed um, leading those teams was how warm introductions and referrals made a huge difference in terms of not only new opportunity creation, but also driving higher conversion rates through the pipeline. Um, but I felt like 
Um, every rep would go to LinkedIn to try to achieve this goal, and it not always it would, wouldn't always deliver sort of on the expectations that they had. So I felt like there was a better way um, if there was a platform that would operationalize this and do it at scale, so that teams could really see um, the ultimate uh, results that uh, these these referrals and warm intros could deliver. So tell me about small world. How does that work? Yeah. So, you know, what we've done is created a common language uh, across a business so that the um, user experience for both salespeople and connectors is is uh, improved dramatically. One of the challenges with using um, LinkedIn, uh, you know, as a system today is connections are all treated equally. And many of those connections, right. um, you know, statistics would show about over 80 percent aren't real relationships, they're connections. And that challenge continues to grow you know, as audiences, um, you know, become uh, really the goal for a lot of uh, people on LinkedIn as they're promoting content. So we uniquely retrieve relationship strength from connectors. So we know who has a very strong relationship versus a very weak relationship. Um, and that distinguishes who the right connector would be. Um, moreover, we really expand the network of potential connectors. So if you think of um, yes, executives or, you know, board members or investors are great, but customers and partners and even former employees or spouses all become really interesting connectors. So we expand that network. Um, and then finally, we've created a way to have uh, visibility throughout the entire introduction process. So one of the things that we heard from connectors is they like to know the outcomes of these introductions and know right. their impact business. And so by having visibility um, and, and the ability to update them and, and track uh, ultimately the success and outcomes of those, um, it really drives their interest in participating. Um, and it can help you know provide visibility for RevOps teams um, when it comes to either recognition or even compensation for these warm intros. I think it's really interesting. And, and you really hit on a number of the, the biggest challenges in referrals. You know, one is that LinkedIn really it's it's become much more about quantity than quality, and so the more connections you have, the the better. Even though they're really not, you know, true relationships. And then the other part of that is you know you make an introduction and then never hear anything again. And I think that that's kind of uh, you know disheartening when you make an introduction when you do have that relationship to to not hear any feedback and like was it good? Did it help? you know, my adding value or not. That's right. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, the incentives are different for every cohort who is a connector. So for, you know, yeah. a board member, you know, they're intrinsically motivated to deliver against kind of an expectation that they can open doors and help, you know, change the outcome of deals. They don't, you know, need anything other than the fact that they're uh, likely an investor or have, you know, an equity interest in the business. You know, on the other hand, you know, a partner typically has a tangible referral fee. Uh, an employee, what we're seeing now is employees who were eligible for uh, referral bonuses for new hires are now becoming eligible for referral bonuses for new business. So as we think about um, former colleagues that they worked with, um, all the people within their own ecosystem, those become natural um, points of entry based on this underlying um, concept of trust. And so when we look at sort of how, you know, the world works for sales, it's about timing or trust and timing is, you know, inbound leads and intent data and trust is this really powerful um, opportunity to get an audience with somebody who you would have never gotten that audience with without that um, trust. And is that something that, that you have that crosses over? I mean, I think we need both is, is the interest has to be there and the trust. So is there some sort of correlation between tools of intent and then introductions to the right person? 
Absolutely. Uh, we're already integrating uh, some of that intent data into small world. And the way we describe it is it's the ultimate bullseye for the salesperson. If you can pick up on true intent um, and then identify the best path of connectivity into that account, especially when it's a senior level person, because what a lot of companies are doing right now is whether it's six cents, demand based, Bombora, you know, all these you know different um, sources for third-party intent data, they don't always know who to connect with. They can see that you know they visited seven times last week, right. they're on pages, but how do we get um, traction with the right levels? And so where we can um, intersect with that is to help them identify the best path within a particular account. I think that's really, really smart. And then once they identify that path, how do they get that trusted introduction? Well, that's where we've built a system where we make that introduction process really easy. So the salesperson can identify who has that strong or very strong relationship. And we're seeing conversion rates of over 50% when they select a connector that has that kind of relationship. And then we make it easy for them to um, make the introduction request. So we you know, actually can pre-fill the, the appropriate content depending on the stage of the opportunity, depending on other details about you know, that particular prospect. Um, and then with a simple click, um, the introduction request is sent to the connector. They get a notification. And similar to like a Calendly-like experience, once they confirm, um, the process just kicks off. And we've set up reminders and notifications, and we give them templates so that with a couple clicks, a connector can make an introduction, um, and they can do it on their mobile device and know that it's going to be tracked all the way through to closed one. Wow, that's really impressive. So does that work with hard-to-get meetings? You know, high level people, C level people that you couldn't, maybe they're not even on LinkedIn. 100%. I mean, one of the, you know, fun things to do for me as a, as an entrepreneur is to use our own product and actually see it come to life. And so, um, a lot of our pipeline has actually been driven through small world. And one of the questions I'll ask, um, after, you know, about 10 minutes on a call is, would you have taken this meeting had we not been introduced through, you know, Kathleen or Love that question? Uh, and and they'll kind of chuckle and say, there's no way. I would have deleted your email. Um, <laughs> I don't know you. Uh, you're just another vendor. And so I think it comes to life when they see the power of trust and the power of what a relationship can do to open that door. And so the person that's making the introduction, why would they do that? You know, what what's their motivation? Well, what's interesting is a lot of companies have already activated a program um, around this whole concept. But what they're doing today is they're doing it on a spreadsheet. So, hey, we're yeah. into Q3. Here's our top 50. Does anybody know anyone, you know, at, you know, Verizon or Starbucks or wherever? And what's happening is it's a very, you know, sort of reactive process. It's very manual. It doesn't yield the best results. So we've introduced a smart spreadsheet that makes that process a lot easier. So it isn't like it's an ask that you know hasn't already been made. And these are specifically for the executives, the advisors, the ones that are sort of enlisted for these warm introductions already. But we've developed um, a product that can make that easier for them. So their incentive is um, intangible, right? There's an intangible incentive there that we make the user experience much easier. Um, as I mentioned earlier, what we're finding other customers do is introduce tangible incentives. So whether those are referral bonuses for employees, whether that's a you know point system for customers where they get discounts on contracts, you know whether that's um, you know a smarter way to track and account for an audit for partner referrals, um, those incentives are already built in, and so. Um, you know, it's this sort of all hands on deck, common language. We got a small world, 
opportunity here rather than it just being sort of, you know, ad hoc and ambiguous and, and not really, you know, audited properly. Um, companies are now referring to these as small world leads. And so we actually even have a leaderboard concept where you can see who within the organization is making the most warm introductions. And obviously that drives participation. Um, it can drive internal contests. That's what's motivating for those, for those connectors. I think that's really interesting. And there are a lot of them in sales as well. So they're, they're not only in making introductions, but they're also using the platform to get introductions. Yeah. So, um, you know, great question. So we have, you know, connectors that cut across, you know, these different groups that some may be salespeople, some may not. Almost every salesperson who's a requester, as we call them, also becomes a connector because they naturally want to reciprocate and help. Um, and very soon we'll be, you know, talking, you know, about an external network that will allow, you know, even, you know, greater access through, um, through connectors, uh, where there's shared relationships, um, that will allow salespeople to really leverage what we're doing, uh, in a, in a truly scalable way. So how do you keep the platform from becoming spammy? Like, uh, LinkedIn has really become. Yeah. One of the unique things that we chose to do, which is different than a lot of relationship intelligence tools, is we believe relationships are subjective and there's no way to apply an algorithm to ascertain the strength of a relationship. I know, sure. you know, my own relationships are unique and some of those relationships that are really strong, those people are not even on LinkedIn. Um, other relationships uh, where I've emailed them 10 times in the last week, I don't know that person very well or I wouldn't feel comfortable making an introduction. So what we've chosen to do is make it um, put that responsibility into the connector's hands. And so um, they're in control over determining the strength of that relationship. And what it does is it creates uh, fidelity within our network and, and accuracy in terms of, of what those relationships really are in terms of strength. And with that, um, it actually creates um, a way to have it be self-policed to a degree because now um, there's no expectation that's not met. And if I'm asking a connector who has a weak relationship for an introduction – I recognize that up front, I probably need to provide a lot more relevancy and context in my introduction request. Um, and I won't be surprised if they still don't feel comfortable. So that's how we, that's how we manage it. Um, and, you know, ultimately anyone who would try to abuse sort of that, um, that, that strength of the relationship, there's a person standing behind that that can validate it or invalidate it one way or the other. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And so I love that you've actually lived the problem. And so you're managing sales reps. You're having you know the, the same challenges that we all are in the marketplace of making those connections and getting introductions. And so what made you leave that role and, and start this? Yeah, I think a couple things. I mean, one, uh, I knew this was a big opportunity if salespeople could, could harness this properly um, and could have access to these introductions, it can make a big difference. I think when I, you know, thought about how my teams went about prospecting, I always, you know, would see, you know, someone's name and be like, somebody knows that person. There's somebody out there that, you know, right. goes on family vacations with them or has worked with them before. And if we just knew that person and could convince them to open that door for us, um, I know that that person would find what we do compelling and it would give us an opportunity instead of, hoping somebody opens that email and responds. And that just strong belief that, um, you know, trust opens these doors led me to this. I, I've been a, you know, sales leader, but I've also been a connector too. And so I knew that, you know, getting these introduction requests, you know, can be clumsy for salespeople and that there was a 
better way for me to experience that. So I think the last thing was, you know, I've, you know, been a, a part of a lot of startups where you're really trying to like prove ROI and you don't have this, you know, business outcome. It's like uh, more productivity or here's another level of intelligence. We have a true business outcome. I mean, you can get three new introductions through small world that you would have never gotten anywhere else and it can pay for itself many times over. And so the opportunity to have a before and an after where we can show tangible business value um, gets me excited every day to be able to sell it with conviction and talk about it. So that I, those things, I think. And then we validated it in the market. This is a missing piece of the RevTech stack. It's crowded right now. People are trying to consolidate. But I strongly believe that for solutions like ours, where we're um, as much of a cost reducer as we are a revenue enhancer, um, there's there's a place for it. I love that having a, a tangible outcome because either you you get the introduction, you get the meeting, and have the conversation, or or you don't. Yep. So that's that's pretty easy to measure. Well, and you can track it all the way through to to did the business close, and and this is the revenue that was generated from that. So it, it's just, you know, uh, when we speak, you know, talk about ROI, it's so fluffy sometimes in terms of what really did lead to that deal closing. And right. this, this is a black and white situation. I think that's a very unique because a lot of the other solutions, I mean, even intent is, is a little bit fuzzy. I mean, did, did were we already talking to him? Were we already engaged, you know, wh- where did the lead really come from? And there, there may be, you know, four or five different attribution sources, the first one, the last one, and the 20 things they did in the middle. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's a really interesting concept. Um, how are you using, or are you using AI in any of this in, in making the connections or uh, finding the right ICP? We, we absolutely are starting to do that. So, um, you know, a few different ways. One of the, the ways that we start with a customer is to look and use, you know, RAI to look, um, you know, at all the different potential relationships based on, um, you know, data that we've collected that would insinuate that there is a real relationship there. So as an example, you know, recommendations on LinkedIn or work history where it was during the same time in the same, um, you know, by in the same department, in the same location, we, you know, are beginning to find clues where once we've confirmed relationship strength, we have some predictability around where a real relationship exists. And those are seeded in accounts, you know, before we even launch so that there's relationships already, you know, in place. Uh, so we're doing that. We're using um, a lot of the insights that we're getting from the introduction requests being made by salespeople and the success and the conversions of those to determine what is the optimal way to request an introduction from this type of connector. Board member is going to be different than your colleague. Your colleague is going to be a partner, right? And then obviously, as we look at those ghost emails, those custom emails that, you know, should be relevant, contextual, have something, um, you know, that will, will, you know, have impact with whoever that prospect is. There's a lot of opportunity there. So we're just scratching the surface right now. Um, you know, we don't want to jump on the hype train just, you know, because of, you know, where AI is going. But we think that we've got some really unique data to um, uh, to leverage, you know, in the coming months. I figured you had to be using AI because it's smallworld.ai. And it makes yes. perfect sense to, to be doing that and for, for qualification and, you know, just using the data that's out there. Yes, absolutely. What are the mistakes that salespeople make in pursuing those introductions? They become a little presumptuous and think it's still a numbers game, right? So I think mm. 
it's quality over quantity in this game. You, you certainly have the tools out there, you know, like Outreach or Sales Loft and a cadence-based approach, which has changed the way that salespeople can cover more ground. Um, right. And that's important, right? That doesn't go away because timing is still really important. You want to have your brand top of mind when a decision's being made. So that still is important. Um, the problem is if you ask your, you know, CTO or you ask, you know, some, you know, senior level person, um, you know, to make an introduction, but you don't give them any context and it's just rapid fire. Um, those people, you know, aren't going to be equipped to make a proper introduction and, um, feel comfortable doing so and retaining that social capital. So, so the best coaching is, you know, just like you would, if you were going to ask a favor of somebody, um, make it relevant, um, you know, have it be, uh, you know, done with humility, um, and, and low expectations. Um, and I think that's, how the best salespeople, you know, have have gotten tons of value from from our product. That makes a lot of sense, and I love that quality over quantity. There's so many other platforms, it's it's the opposite. It's a, it's spray and pray, and yep. just you know, it's blind hope. And I think that's a, a real difference in in what you're talking about here. It's a very targeted, very systematic, uh, professional approach versus just send a bunch of stuff out and hope something comes back. Well, if you think about it with our conversion rates at over 50%, when you have a strong, very strong relationship, if you send out, you know, 20 of those and you get, you know, 10 great qualified meetings, how many cold emails do you have to send to get that same result? Um, one, you're not going to be at the same. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if it's 1%, it's a thousand. So like it's, you know, um, it's it's unbelievable and you're not going to get the same level of of engagement right you're going to be talking to a manager a director maybe not an svp not a c level executive so if reps would take the time instead of you know stepping over dollars to pick up dimes you know it's it's you've got an opportunity here to engage the right levels if it's done with precision and done with um you know the proper context it seems like when tools like this come out, marketers are, you know, always jumping on the bandwagon and tend to screw it up. You know, email marketing was that way where, you know, marketers took it over and now, you know, email is, is there's so much noise. So how do you keep marketers from you know, messing this up? It's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, one of the questions that always comes up is how to referrals and warm interest scale. At some point, somebody gets tired of, of making these intros. And I think that, um, what we're building truly will create new relationships. So um, if you and I were to have both a strong relationship with, you know, Jane Doe, but we didn't know that, but she knew and trusted both of us for different reasons. Maybe you live in her community and, you know, you, your kids are on her soccer team, but you're a good person. And she knows that. And we, and I used to work with Jane and Jane knows how I work and trusts me as a professional. Well, we indirectly have, have, you know, a relationship. And so I think what, what we're building is going to enable that. And so that in and of itself, um, you know, creates sort of this, you know, trusted network where it's going to be hard to screw it up by trying to automate or scale it in, um, you know, in a way where one, it's inauthentic, but two, it, you know, you sort of kill the golden goose because that in and of itself will, will again, self-police sort of a network of integrity. And so, um, you know, what we would not want to do is incentivize the wrong, uh, you know, behaviors uh, through, 
you know, honestly, there's been a lot of attempts out there through speed dating and, and, um, right. you know, making, right. Hey, pay this amount and, and come to this, you know, uh, three day event and we'll have all these SVPs that will, you know, meet you for five minutes. Well, they probably didn't want to be there. They got paid to go there. Um, and, right. and it becomes an inauthentic way to connect with those people. So, I think you know that's that's the risk here, but I think we're going to keep that top of mind as we as we build our product further. I think that's really smart. We've tried some of that speed dating stuff before the events where they they bring people in, and you're correct. I mean, they're they're really not there to meet with you. They're there for other reasons, and the meetings are the have to. That's it's right. like the the ninety minute timeshare presentation. That's it, and yeah, you know, but it, but it's opposite. That's what we are. Like that doesn't feel good, right? So I really like the idea of that having those those warm introductions. How do you think sales has changed over the last 10, 15, 20 years? Oh, geez. I mean, it's changed so much. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of a veteran at this point. I mean, when when I started my career, I mean, we we didn't even have, you know, mobile devices really. I mean, we had this these old Nokios and it was not something that we even used. And um, so, you know, just from a pure tool set perspective uh you know this this new generation is so savvy at how they use you know a combination of you know some of the ones i've mentioned you know to you know create personalization to create reach um you know to to you know schedule meetings whether it's through calendly you know how they're using you know data from you know something like databook to where they're recording calls you know through gong or chorus and you know analyzing i think it's just there's just so much there. I think you can get paralyzed though. It's, you know, paralysis through analysis um, if you overdo it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my old, old adage is as a salesperson, I want to be talking more than typing. And I think one of the lost arts of sales is that a lot of these, you know, reps think that you can can automate everything. And I think it always comes down to a relationship of trust. And I either trust you know, the solution, the vendor, I trust third party research, I trust you as a salesperson. And that part can't be lost. It's the art of selling. So um, I think that's how it's changed. I think, you know, we're losing a little bit of the art, which is which is super, super important, because people make uh, decisions for logical reasons, which is business value, and then for emotional reasons, which is personal value. And the emotional reasons actually matter more than the business value when it all comes down to it. Um, and so appealing to both of those is so important. And it's, you know, a combination of the best of, of the new world, which is enabling technologies with the old world, which is really understanding um, and being empathetic to your prospect. I like that. And it seems like there's been a little bit of a, a push back to, to more self-guided uh, sales process. And certainly, you know, buyers can do a lot more research online today. Than before, do you see a point where salespeople are you know, really not involved in the sales process anymore, or do you think that it is that higher level, that professionalism, that art that does keep them involved? That's a really good point. Uh, I can't remember the statistic that Gartner published. It's I think only like seventeen percent of buyers want to talk to a salesperson. You know, as a first step, they all will go do their own research to talk to peers to, you know, uh, look at G2 or Forrester or Gartner, you know, some third party research uh, and and do their own digging. It's kind of what's made, you know, intent based solutions so appealing is because you know that they're doing their own research before they really want to talk to a salesperson. Um, I think it depends on the type of solution. I think there's some that are plug and play where free trials can be 
um, easily turned on. Um, it's pretty intuitive in terms of how you get um, you know time to value. Uh, others require a conversation. Uh, you know, there's integrations, there's customizations, there's um, you know unique requirements, uh, and those are you know most you know efficiently described and understood through. Um, the power of, of voice. Uh, so I still think a salesperson has a has an important role. And again, when you think about you know trust, trust is doing what you say you're going to do, and that is demonstrated by an actual person following through on what they say they're going to do as part of that process. So I think um, you know that's a that's a nuance that we'll never lose. But for sure, you know it's been accelerated where you could be you know, in the fifth inning of a deal before you've ever spoken to a prospect versus, you know, cold call, what do you even do? You know, do you even have a problem? I think that's good. And and another reason why warm introductions are even more important is because you're, you are later in the process. They've already formed some opinions. They have kind of an idea of where they want to go before you're ever talking to them. Uh, yes. And, and for us, you know, it's not just top of funnel opportunities that we can help impact. But what we're finding is, you know, active deals in the pipeline where, you know, it's buying committees. Now, this has changed too, where yes. you, know, you, you need to multi-thread more than you ever have before. And by identifying uh, and what we like to call it, do a relationship audit on all of your important deals in the pipeline to be able to see who you want on your deal team as you optimize those win-loss rates, right? So as you look at your biggest opportunities in a given quarter, who do we have across our entire organization that can help maybe accelerate a decision, help change the outcome of a competitive opportunity, um, help us get into a new buying center? Um, that becomes just as powerful in terms of how people use small world today as it is for a new uh, top of funnel. That makes a lot of sense, and especially, like you said, buying committees. It, it's become much more complex, especially for longer, you know, bigger, longer sales cycle deals. You have yes. multiple stakeholders. And so it's not just finding the, the one, but if you can get those introductions to multiple people on that committee or have those influence, have the influence inside, makes all the difference in the world. You bet. So what do you think the sales looks like going forward? Is it going to be more automated, more uh, personal, some combination? You know, what is it going to look like 10 years from now? It's a really good question. Uh, you know, things evolve. I, I think what we're seeing now with AI is there's just so many options out there. And, and what's interesting is even though it can scale and it can make outbound look more personalized, Buyers are pretty smart and they're beginning to kind of see which ones have been truly authored by the salesperson and which ones have appeared to look like they're personalized, but they're they're automated and they're pushing back. And it's only getting noisier because it, you know, really allows um, mass reach by teams who, you know, try to do this. And I think, you know, teams get stuck with this idea that it's just, you know, a numbers game. Um Sales is a numbers game to some degree, especially when it's a commodity. Like if you have to buy insurance, you're going to buy it from somebody and the squeaky wheel might get the oil at some point, but there's other, sure. you know, solutions that where it's not a commodity and it's about value. And I think, um, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to track back to it's this balance between automation and reach and true personalization and, um, and giving the buyer the ability to, you know, own, um, the process a little bit more. You've already spoken to it. I think that's 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 a big big part of it. 
So does automated personalization, does that break the trust component? Well, I think it's just how people define personalization. I mean, you know, if you automate emails, you know, to, uh, you know, people that all went to this college and then you reference the college and the, you know, you've lost me right there because I know you're, you're trying hard. You're just trying too hard. And, and so, you know, I think that's what I'm getting at is, you know, don't try to personalize it in an inauthentic way. Um, if you spent the time to read a press release and you saw a quote that I had and it's relevant to your solution and you can tie it back as to why we should talk, then I'm probably going to give you some time because you've done your research, you've done your homework. There's no way that you can automate the finding of those facts. Now, this is where, you know, AI can be really helpful is, oh, wow, we can actually use an API to identify things that were said. And now we can build it into a customizable email. I think what you need to do is get that content and then you've got to make sure that it's crafted so that it's in your own voice. That's really, really smart. And making it where it's not just a data point that's obviously scraped from somewhere and plugged into a message. Yep. Yeah, there's way too much of that going on. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like that trying too hard. Yeah, there, yep. there's definitely some of that. Well, where can people learn more about you and about Small World online? You can visit us at smallworld.ai. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, uh, share more about you know what we're building and how we can you know help your sales marketing team. So um, we'd love to hear from you. So, what is the biggest lesson you've learned uh, throughout your career? that uh, you'd love to go back and either tell yourself at the beginning or tell others that are at the start of their journey or earlier on in their journey? Oh, man, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons, as I'm sure everybody has. Uh, uh, hmm. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as it relates to, to sales, um, and I read this the other day, be impatient with your pipeline development, but be patient with your prospects and customers. So wow. if you think the impatience of activity levels and building new pipe and, you know, working to, you, you really want that sense of urgency and that high activity level to get that done. But when it comes to working on active deals, if you're the person that's following up every three days with what's the status, just checking in, you're going to annoy um, that prospect to the point where, you know, they'll start to ghost you. So it's, it's be impatient with your pipeline development, be patient with your customers and prospects. I love that. That is absolute gold. Really appreciate having you on the show today, David. Great to be with you, Jeff. Thanks so much. Thanks again, David, for coming on the show and sharing your founder journey and business insights. You know, I'm still in awe of what you created and just the unbelievable power of relationship and connection behind it. Uh, LinkedIn doesn't even come close to what you've got going on there. So it's very, very cool. You can learn more about David and Small World at smallworld.ai. All links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And be sure to check out our new YouTube channel as well. You can subscribe or follow us at either of those locations. And everyone who subscribes this week gets a backstage pass to your favorite one-hit wonder band. I don't know. It might be the only one backstage at that one. So, you know, subscribe and, and definitely check out Small World anyway. Those connections, far better. Join us next time on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for Christine McDaniel, founder of The Magnolia Firm. It's an M&A brokerage firm helping digital business owners like SaaS achieve the perfect exit. Great insights there from an insider who lives acquisitions day to day. 
Next Tuesday, we have Tony Flores, founder of Growth Science. Growth Science helps B2B SaaS companies gain competitive advantage, even those in crowded, mature categories. It is a real game changer. Tony has such great insights into how to own your category and what that looks like in your business. So I will see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SaaS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!